This week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem. I think a lot of people want things that are bigger than their discipline. Ooh, say it again, please. <laughs> please. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We ask them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five. I know, I know, I know. But rather than talk about people's uh, wins or successes, we talk about their failures, more specifically, the lessons that they learn from those individual experiences. So. Uh, with that being said, my guest today is the founder and creative producer of King of Arts Incorporated, which is a company that specializes in providing photography and visual branding for celebrities, athletes, corporations, and professionals. He's worked with the Toronto Raptors, specifically documenting the 2019 NBA championship. Shout out to all my Raptor fans out there and the Raptors and the Raptor squad as well. Uh, some of his other clients include. Nike, Google, Air Canada, Foot Locker, and the Chicago Cubs, to name a few. He's also recently produced a Day in the Life series for a professional athlete. I love those type of series. So without further ado, Craig Ryan, Malcolm Campbell, a.k.a. the King of Arts. Welcome to the podcast, brother. I just had to say your full government name. You gave like, my full government. <laughs> on. <laughs> I was like, man, your parents couldn't make up. Your parents Bro, couldn't make up a choice. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, me, my my girl gives me flack for that all the time. She's like, what's wrong with your mom? I'm like, but no, nah, I, I only go by Ryan. But yeah, legally, my name is Craig Ryan, which is my dad's name, also Craig. Um, I don't go by it ever, but yeah. um, I go by Ryan. Um, and thank you, great, great intro. It's a lot of a lot of information. That's good. <laughs> Uh, so, Ryan, um, for my guests that are being introduced to you, or I should say for my audience that's being introduced to you for the first time, yeah. um, why don't you tell them a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and more importantly, like what was your inspo to to do what you're doing currently? Um, so, who am I? I always answer that question uh, differently than most people may expect. Yeah. Um, I am a friend. I am a son, a boyfriend, um, and I like to teach mm-hmm. and help, you know, so that that's who I am as a person. Um, what I do for work, though, um, all things creative, visually, um, photo, video, graphics, editing, retouching, my, you know, conceptualizing, creative directing, you name it when it comes to telling a story. That's what I do. Right. So how I got into it, actually, I stumbled into it. This was not something I always wanted to do since I was a kid. This was not something I've always looked to be, you know, um, I wanted to be an NBA player. You know, I, want, I, my, grew up, I grew up playing sports my whole life, um, basketball and football, um, primarily basketball. And, you know, I played three years of university basketball and I actually did my first injury in university, which was my meniscus, mm. um, which took me out for about eight or nine months <clears throat> and during that time i actually got a new coach as well so there's a transition of a new coach coming in mm-hmm. me being injured being a third year guard um we didn't really see eye to eye he wants to kind of change the system he actually cut me while i was rehabbing oh wow so that oh. kind of messed up 
a lot for me mentally, you know, I mean, diversely, you know, trying to, you know, finish my bachelor of commerce business degree, yeah. you know, hard courses, plus focus on basketball. Now I'm injured. Now I'm cut. So like, I've never filled a course in my life. And that year I filled my first course, you know, I got to dark place, obviously, I'm very depressed, not playing basketball anymore. Plus being injured. Like it was a lot, a lot of stuff happening at one time. So I actually wanted to leave the school, um, just mm-hmm. go back home. Cause I was actually, um, going to school in Ottawa, which is, you know, a smaller city outside of Toronto. Right. And I was like, why am I out here from not even playing ball anymore? And this and this, that I'm like, I'm going to go back to Toronto and like go to school in Toronto and just like call the day. And, uh, I actually called my mom during that time. And she's like, the one conversation she had was she's, she's like, that's all cool. You know, you're feeling all these things, which is fine. And, you know, if you do want to come back, that's on you. That's your decision. But if you come back, then what? Mm. And I'm like, what you mean? She's like, then what? Like you come back and what, what's your plan then? She's like, you're already halfway through school. You've already done so much what you're doing. You're going to come back and start over in Toronto and didn't just give up because, you know, because you're not happy right now. And I just took that. And I was like, all right, bye. <laughs> Hung on <up> the phone <laughs> and uh, decided to stay in school, finish my courses, got my commerce degree. But while I was no longer playing basketball, all that free time I had actually allowed me to work on other skills and other things I never really had the time to pursue, which was my creative side. Right. So I've always been creative, just just never had the time. My focus is always sports and, and basketball. So, you know, getting into drawing and media, like I just I had no time for that. Practicing games is, is what I had to do, right. you know. So now that I wasn't playing ball anymore, I actually ended up drawing and sketching out of a pastime um, and designing things. You know, now I have every weekend to myself, I have every night to myself now. So it really allowed me to dive into other skill sets I just really didn't give attention to. And I ended up starting my clothing line in university called King of Arts, mm-hmm. um, which essentially started as a king of, uh, clothing line at first um, because I didn't really know what it would become. You know, I'm, it's 2012 at the time and I'm just drawing and designing stuff. And one of my friends is like, well, you should put down clothes. And I was like, okay, I mean, you guys are wearing this? Like, yeah, 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 put on clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm just in school, so I'm like, all right, whatever. I, I designed some stuff, make a couple of t-shirts, sold on campus, and then they started doing really well. So. I named it King of Arts at the time because in my mind, I was just like very creative in many different facets. So I'm like, I'm just, I'm a king of multiple arts, multiple art forms, whether it's drawing, whether it's design, media, these are all different art forms. Mm -hmm. And I named it that before I was even shooting or doing anything at all. Just, I just knew I wanted to gather and attain multiple skills as I grew this thing at the time, (laughs) you know? Um, after that, it kind of fast forward into me finishing my program, company kind of growing, me getting better at what I was doing, getting more skills, starting doing websites and stuff for myself. And I did one photo shoot with somebody, a friend of mine, because I wanted to basically market the clothes I was putting on my friends. Mm-hmm. And he basically had a camera, had all the stuff. And but I was the one like, oh, put them like this. Uh, can you just move them here? Like, actually take the, take the shot from this angle. And I was just like... I just see the camera. I don't even really need this guy. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I realized it was me that was really the creative. He just had the tool. Right. So saved up, got myself a camera, and then started shooting everything. Like friends, family. I see an event outside, you know, in the street. I just go bring my camera and just shoot the vibe, shoot people candidly, and just fell in love with like capturing moments and telling stories in my way and how I saw it. And 
Um, fast forward again, I you know I worked three years in corporate in accounting and finance, and you know worked for legal software company and mm-hmm. you know HVAC company stuff that I would never care about, but I was good at it because I still had the business side. I've always been smart from the corporate side, but I knew I didn't love it, and I and I was always the youngest in all mm-hmm. of my jobs. I'm just like. I don't feel like I even belong here. I'm like, you guys, they love you guys love this job. I don't. <laughs> I just do it because I'm like, I do need the job. I, I just mean. graduated. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't feel, you know, like it's for me. And I remember one of my one of my uh, coworkers, can't remember who it was, but I remember they're like, you don't even fit here. Like, I feel like you're too overqualified <laughs> for like the stuff you're doing. Like it's just very simple stuff, like data entry. Like she's yeah. like you do it so fast. Like I get like, like a whole report of stuff. I do it quick and I'm like, I'm bored. You know, she's yeah. like, this isn't, some people don't belong in these spaces. And I think you're not really for this. Like you you can do it, but I know you're not, this is not for you. Right. And um, five years ago now to this date, um, I quit my job and went fully entrepreneur um, doing what I'm doing now. I would just shoot on the side at a time and then work my full corporate job. And then decide to, to make that switch and bet on myself five years ago and wow. haven't looked back, man. So it's definitely a very interesting trajectory and uh, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Now, looking back at the time, I just didn't know what was going on. I was kind of just yeah. going with what I what felt right. And right. Um, right. I was right. <laughs> so I want to ask a question on that, man. Thank you for sharing your story. So would it be safe to assume that if you didn't have that injury, Hundred percent. You wouldn't 100%. have started this company. Hundred percent. Wow. Not even the injury. If I didn't get mm-hmm. cut specifically, got you. Because if I had the injury and came back, I'd still be playing. Mm-hmm. That coach actually cut me, which forced wow. me to lose basketball at that time. Wow. Bless or blessing in disguise. I I can say that now. Honestly, yes. Yeah. I've, def- I've definitely thought about that. Yeah. Which is so crazy because I just saw the movie Air, which everyone. Yeah you know, going to see right now and anyone who doesn't know it's a story about how Nike signed Michael Jordan as their first kind of big shoe contract. Um and it was interesting because they talked about how Michael, when he tried out for the varsity team, or maybe it was J V junior varsity. It's high school, team, yeah, it's high school. High team. school team. Mm-hmm. He got cut the first time. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of fueled him. And mm-hmm. he came back and then, you know, kind of the rest is history, so to speak. So I feel I see some parallels there. Like, you know, although it wasn't going back into basketball, even though you still play, you use that time that you had to invest in yourself and your skill set to now where you've got a business that you've been running for five years. And now you're you're shooting stuff and celebrities and working with major corporations. And it's so it's just so interesting to me because you also said one thing I picked up on was. You also said at the time, at now I can look back at it as a blessing, but in the moment, it's kind of hard to kind of see it as that. Because you know what I mean? Because it's hard to let go of what you thought was going to be your dream, your destiny, right? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. 100%. So, as a creative producer, Ryan, someone who specialized in you know visual branding through both photography and video, what was the most challenging time in your career? as an entrepreneur and how did you kind of get over that, that, that situation? And, and ultimately what did you learn from it? Um, prior to last year, I would say my most challenging moment was my first year mm-hmm. um, out six months in, uh, I invested all my money into mm-hmm. my equipment, 
bought new cameras, bought lenses, or shooting everything I could, shooting, taking weddings, taking events, whatever. And at a wedding, um, I was shooting, I was actually walking backwards while shooting the couple, and I actually fell into a fountain. Oh with with wow. all my camera on my all my Ooh. camera stuff on my back in my backpack. So it the whole backpack dunked. I dunked, my whole suit was dunked. Like I just I just didn't see it. Like it was the hit it hit the back of my foot. And as soon as I felt it, I felt my body falling and I'm like, this I saw the I remember seeing the fountain earlier that day. Mm-hmm. And I just lost where I was when I was kind of trailing them. They're kind of walking towards me. Right. And when I hit, I felt I'm like, if this is a fountain, oh my God. So I I felt the water kind of submerge and then right. my backpack was full of lenses. Right. My camera's in my hand. I tried not to let the camera fall, but the camera hit the base of the, of the fountain. So the internal mirror shattered inside the camera. Wow. All the lenses were full of water. I lost like, <laughs> like maybe $13,000 of stuff Jesus. in like seconds. And I just quit my job at the time. It was like invested all that to rebuy all my stuff put all on credit put myself in debt like it's uh, it was tough to kind of be like you just quit your job and now this is what happens you know wow um so that i would say that was the hardest thing back then um because after that kind of like worked my way back up and just nothing really hard anymore it's kind of just like the the joy of, of the grind um but now as of recent um getting my us visa was the hardest thing Ooh ever ever been through in my life please share the process because i I have i have a friend that's that's looking to make that move and Mm -hmm. i was like because i used to live in new york and i said dude it's not that easy especially Uh since like post 9 11 like nothing is easy that side anymore so i'm like and he's like no man i'm trying to talk to my lawyer i'm like all right cool i'm just letting you know been down this road before it's not that easy but i love i love for you to share some details on that if you don't mind of course yeah man um so i have a very unique visa because of what i do is very unique right. of course. um the easiest visa to get is for a company to sign you or, or sponsor you Correct. hey i like what you do you want we want you to work for us we'll yeah. cover your visa you work for us solely you're in the united states great mm-hmm. but if they drop you you're back to whatever country you came from that <laughs> And I didn't want that above my head because I don't have more for somebody in five years. I'm not going to start now. Just because I want to live in the United States. Right. right. So because I shoot so many different things, I shoot freely. I shoot for different companies, brands, people. Being under one person did not benefit me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. If I want to continue my career the way I wanted to continue. So the visa I had to get was an E1 U.S. treaty visa, mm-hmm. which essentially is a U.S. Canadian trading visa through my corporation. Interesting. Which is super unique, super difficult. Thanks to my lawyers for even figuring this out for based on what I do. Mm-hmm. It it just lined up a little bit that we had a chance of trying this right. if we're going to do anything. And I, I'm like, I trusted them with it. And basically, I now have a visa which allows me to go back and forth between the United States and Canada freely. Mm-hmm. It's a five-year visa. I can stay in the United States for two years at a time without coming back in between. Every time I come back to Canada, it resets for two years until my five years is up and I can renew it. So if I come back to Canada t- tomorrow, I have another two years instead of me having uh, to change. Every, you know, so it's it's great for what I do. I come back. I go back. I was just in Toronto last week for Toronto for Nike. Right. Come back now. Another two years from now until my five years expands, and then 
But getting that visa was so difficult because it's a it's a chicken and an egg situation. Mm. In order to get the visa, you have to prove that you have enough clients in the United States that want to work with you. Okay. That you also have already worked with. Mm. However, it's illegal to work in the United States without having a visa. Correct. Prior to having the visa. Right. So <laughs> Right, it doesn't. It, how do I get, I get it? it? I get it. So yeah. it's I was obviously for the yeah. last few years take, working with different athletes, celebrities, different businesses. Right, and fly to states, fly to different places, come back to Toronto and do that for a few years. Mm-hmm. As I grew my brand, um, but that's not allowed. Mm. <laughs> but I have to prove that I have work. Right. So it's a really fine line thing, right? Because right. you got you every time you're going across the board, they're saying, Where are you going? How long are you staying? Are right. you working? You can't right. say, Yeah, like so I've been doing this dance for a few years, building my brand out here. Yeah. And um now when getting the visa process of it, um, I basically had to get my lawyer team to be to basically put all my work together that I've had. Mm-hmm. Get all my clients that ever worked for in the United States to sign a referral right. form saying worked with him. We want you to work with him, so on and so forth. So I have like celebrities, companies, anyone, anyone that ever worked with, I have to reach out to them and get them to be like, oh yeah. And that's honestly that's why I preach about being a good person, bro. Because mm-hmm. there's some people I haven't worked with now, but they help me with this process. But yeah, even though we haven't worked together anymore, I'll still, right. you know. And that's just from keeping good relationships. I mean, there's some people I called two years. I'm like, yo. I need help with you, you know what I mean? Right. And yeah, I got you. So like I'm so humbled that those relationships are still there that I can call them up and help me with that visa. But I had to I had to prove a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, given a lot of numbers. Um, but also while I was doing that, I had I was actively also taking projects because mm. I had to stop, you know what right. I mean? So it's like I was going back and forth in between this visa process and I actually got flagged. Oh wow. So one of my projects to so not not last november but the november before um i was in the middle of a, of a big project um i had two other big projects i was actually about to sign I actually signed one of the contracts for one mm. and it was like an amounting for like eighteen thousand dollars of like work right and i had a wedding booked in canada and i stopped taking weddings for this reason because it, it it messes up my schedule and it's booked so far in advance i'm like i don't know what i'll be doing next year to lock something in like this like i can't do that anymore so i don't really take weddings anymore now but at the time i started like a lingering wedding from covid that i agreed to and i was like ah <laughs> you right, know so right. i had to go back to to canada which i didn't anticipate for but i had to i'm like i'm not going to cancel on them you know mm-hmm. and i thought it'd be fine just quick in and out bounce back to the states get back to work i went back shot the wedding and i tried to fly back to to la yeah like a couple of days after the wedding and i was at the border and unfortunately, I never take connecting flights. Mm-hmm. And those are the only flight I could take back at that time. And I wasn't thinking a connecting makes any difference. It just let me get back to LA. That's all I that's all I need. But it, it flew into Montreal first, Canada. Mm-hmm. Then Montreal was gonna fly to LA. But because it was a connecting flight, they actually retake your luggage off and oh, re-check wow. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. If it was a direct flight, it'd be on the plane, I'd be gone. But right. because they did that double check with the with the connecting flight, they actually went through my equipment and saw my stuff. 
which had never happened before. It was just the timing of life. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So now they see my stuff. I have like tripods and lighting in my in my suitcase or whatever. Mm-hmm. Never been stopped in years I've been doing this. Never been stopped. Mm-hmm. Just that particular day, this is what life throws yep. at you sometimes. Um, I get to I get to the customs officer in Montreal now, about to go to the next flight to LA, and I see my bags on his screen. And I've never seen that before. So I'm like, <laughs> uh, he's like, Where are you going? I was like, Los Angeles. He's like, How long? I'm like, couple weeks and i'm like looking at the screen because i'm like why mm. why are they there which i mean which means they know they've been in it if they right, if it's, right right lying at this point is stupid you know what i mean i can't lie he's like what's in the suitcase i'm like equipment he's like are you working i'm like no i'm not working he's like so wild equipment i'm like i'm helping out a cousin who has a wedding yeah just gonna shoot some stuff for free just as a, as a gift he's like right <laughs> one second <laughs> one second <laughs> Been to the back room, makes me miss my flight, hold me as long as possible till the flight goes. Yeah. They print me, took my fingerprints, they mm-hmm. put me in the system, they made me recant everything I said line by line. How long are you going for? Who's it for? Documented everything I every single thing that came out of my mouth, they put on paper mm-hmm. so they could refer to it. So I, I had to make sure everything I was saying, I have to stick to that script if that's what I'm gonna say. Right. Uh they're like, Yeah, you're not coming to the United States today. And I was like, today as in like just today or they're like today you can't come to the united states and they're being very vague about it mm-hmm. so i'm like in my mind i'm like okay i'm gonna try tomorrow just i'm back to, back to fly from toronto this time directly mm-hmm. they i have to get to i have to get a hotel in montreal because there's no more no more flights back to toronto that day so i pay for my hotel myself right. fly back to toronto in the morning book another flight i'm paying for all these myself because i have mm-hmm. active work in the states i have to get to right so i'm like i, I can't just not try again i'm like i don't know yeah. what we're, we're going back so pay for another flight to la take the first flight to la from toronto get to the customs line now my flight's about to leave i get there where are you going same quite now i'm in toronto now where are you going la how long two weeks what are you doing i tell them the same thing i'm like i gotta say the wedding thing because I know it's because they all talk. (laughs) So I'm like, I had this wedding with a misunderstanding yesterday. What happened to Montreal yesterday? I was like, I I got stopped because they thought I was working. I uh, okay, one second. Back room in Toronto now. Go through the whole system again. Miss my flight. They're like, why are you back here? And I'm like, oh, I thought I couldn't fly yesterday. They're like, oh no, you're you're done. Like we oh, we think wow. you, we think you're working. I don't care what day you think it is. We're not making that wedding or whatever you think you're doing. Like they didn't buy anything I was saying. So like so try again. Take some time. Maybe later when the wedding's done, you know we can try again. I'm like, is there actual a day? They're like, we're just saying take some time. So I have to cancel all the work I had in LA. Wow. Cancel every lost all those projects, and just pissed, bro. Like wow. waited. Waited two months in Canada, just kind of like cool things off. And I finally try again last January um, by car with my friend mm-hmm. and packed up all my stuff, all my equipment. Cause I'm like, they're gonna keep stopping my stuff. So I'm like, I gotta find another, <laughs> another way. Mm-hmm. So we drive, um, I drive with him through Detroit. We get stopped, they question me again. My, the record, it doesn't matter if you take land yeah. or air. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting away from the US. <laughs> once you're in the system, you're in it. 
So they pull us over, strip the car, go through everything. I'm like, I have nothing on me. They're like, how long are you going for? I'm like, we're just going in now. We're going to quick drive to Indiana and back. And they're like, right. There's nothing. I can still legally travel, just I can't work, right? right, right. Which, is, which is the chicken egg thing, because I'm like, I also need this work. So yeah. Really frustrating. But they let us through. I have to pay my friend who works at a shipping company in Toronto. I have to pay him hundreds of dollars to pack up all my stuff, ship it by air. I have to wait for it. I'm in LA with no equipment, but I'm here mm. waiting. My visa's in process. All this, all these things are happening. It's just terrible. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. actually the worst thing. But um, it slowly kind of comes together. My stuff gets here. My visa finally gets approved by June. So I really have to wait till another seven months. Just oh, kind of wow. in LA, super quiet, not really doing much, like working, but like mad <laughs> quiet, mm-hmm. you know. And then I finally get an email um, saying my visa was approved. I have to fly back to Canada to U.S. consulate. And I cried, bro. Like, I was wow. like, yo, like, it was just wow. so, like, people would have quit a long time ago, I promise you. Yeah. A long, especially when the government's on you, like, it's scary. So, like, but yeah. I just, there's just something in me that I'm like, this is, this, this is the road. This right. is the road, you know? And I think, I think that's, you know, you hear some of the most successful people say, like, you got to be a little crazy, man. Like, there's yep. there's a part of me that like what are you doing like you're right. gonna get banned like like yeah. one like if you if you try too much they will ban you from the United States 100%. that's it and I was like if this doesn't work I'm I can't try again like that's whatever you think's happening you're done at, at this point you know mm. and something was just like just one more time and just just do it and bro if I could tell you all the stuff I'm doing right now I, it was I'm glad I did that you know so. Um, but you don't see it in those moments, honestly. You just it's it's it was tough. That was the toughest mentally and, and strategically, business-wise. It probably didn't make sense if you told anybody right. else what I was doing, you know, but I had to like on my own. I'm like, you need to get there some way. And right. yeah, that's so that was well, that was a, I've been here a year now since then, bro. Over a year. Amazing. That's an amazing story. I can I can relate to that on on a few different levels. I've had my um, own situations in the past. Um, but what would you say ultimately, like I have an understanding of what I learned from your situation, but what would you say you learned from that particular situation? I think when it comes to your goals and your dreams and the things that matter to you, right. only you can do these things. Mm. It, there's no one that can help you. There's no external information or advice anyone can tell you it it's between you and yourself right. and there, that's that's something you have to sit with and trust with yourself there's no one can give you anything if, if someone if i told this to somebody else they'd be like bro what do you do like everyone else in the world would be like right. you've been stopped by the government why would you try yet like everything there's normal doubt and skepticism from humans but whatever you believe for yourself that is bigger than Anything anyone else can see except you has to be done by you. There's no one else that can make you walk through that door or hop on that plane, make that move. It it has to come solely from you. And I think once you build that trust with yourself, you see these things. Mm -hmm. I've built that with myself. I'm like, I've seen you. You've seen you do these things. Mm -hmm. So we're not stopping now. You know, 
And I think that's a self-confidence thing of continually seeing yourself overcome things. I've torn my Achilles, came back. I've done these things. I've lost work. I've lost money. And you you okay. figured it out somehow, Ryan. You've done yeah. it. So whatever well, is coming, like, this is for you to remind yourself that you have done these things. So only you can see these things, mm-hmm. you know? And it seems crazy. It really does. <laughs> no, you know what's interesting about that? Um, so a few things. For me, what I learned from your story is twice, both when you um tore your Achilles while you're in university and the coach I actually tore I actually tore my Achilles a couple years ago. I was this is recent. Wow. Wow. I told oh, my meniscus. The meniscus, the meniscus yeah. is, it was in university. So when you when you tore your meniscus and you got cut from the team because of the new coach, and you had this gut feeling to start and lean into this visual arts business and create your own company, King of Arts, right? And then when you're going through this visa situation, you know, you get denied twice. Most people would have stopped for sure at twice, if not even the first time. But then you you listen to your gut again to say, yo, I got, I got, I just gotta, I gotta try one more time. So for me, what I took from that story was your ability to listen to your intuition. Because sometimes, you know, it could be a little tricky listening to your intuition and feelings. You know what I mean? Of it's course. not an exact science, but you leaned in it, leaned into it twice and it worked out for you. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I think sometimes people as human beings in this world today, we have so much access to data but I think right now we've relied too much on it where if it doesn't look perfectly logical, right. we don't do it, right? Because right. it, it completely doesn't make sense. And another kind of like analogy that I'm thinking of, Ryan, is like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a, a dog like outside in like a backyard of some sort. And from your vantage point, it looks like the dog is crazy because he's chasing something, but you can't see yeah. what he's chasing. And like, yo, what's wrong with this dog? Is he crazy? But you yeah. don't know. There's like a little squirrel. There's a little chipmunk. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's going after. So I think about our dreams as being that little squirrel or chipmunk that other people can't see. So to everyone else, it looks fucking crazy. Yeah. But to us, it's like, no, I have to do this. You're focused. You are focused. Yeah. Mm. 1,000%. I like that. I like that. Um, so now we talked about how you just navigated a difficult situation. Um, and now that we have an understanding that you work with, you know, celebrities, athletes, et cetera, et cetera, let's talk, uh, let's talk about difficult clients for a second. So, you know, we all encounter them in our various different roles in life. Um, I experienced them in kind of the advertising side of the business. So from your vantage point, tell me about your most difficult client situation and how did you handle it? How did you get over that? Um, Truthfully, I don't really have difficult clients per se. I have difficult situations um, because the, I'm, I'm a very clear cut person with the work I do. Right. So it's, it's really, it's really difficult for me to do my job. I think just certain people or clients or businesses, I think once they start thinking they're better at your job than you, right. That's when it gets, it becomes a difficult situation. (laughs) Mm. I don't think the client's difficult. I think it's a, it's a misconception of, of, of understanding uh, client versus expertise, let's say. You know, I think I think we're in a world where 
because people there is so much access to things and information that people see the final final product yep. of everything or a lot of bts stuff people think like oh you, all you, all you got to do is <laughs> <laughs> so the, everyone's a genius everyone's an expert right, right? so right. it's like but you have to kind of i'm very good at controlling that conversation where it's like you came to me or this person or whoever you're going to for a service or a product or whatever else you're going to them if you could do these things you'd be doing it mm-hmm. if you could do these things you wouldn't be paying this person so please allow that person you paid to do the job mm-hmm. you know i think Facts. once you create that very clear line i'm like listen if you think you could do this by all means take the project if not though because you came to me can you let me do what i'm supposed to do right, right. and i think people have a tough time creating that boundary mm. and i think that's the only reason clients become difficult because they're creeping over your boundary you know what i mean right. and right. they're you're not you're not allowing you're not pushing them back you know yeah. i think if yeah. you keep things very clean very respectful obviously but very assertive like clients won't cross that line so i don't really have clients cross that line the more difficult things are like you know um most of my like corporate stuff like i'm not gonna name the brands but <laughs> certain corporate stuff they're like they're so detached from us and us as Cultural. black people yeah, yeah yeah that they overanalyze and, and microanalyze and micro assess these things that that aren't necessary <laughs> like they they think they're trying to get they're trying to put on such a uh display for us that they're not they're missing entirely the message of things mm. you know there's there's projects that i've worked on for black history month and you're, i'm like this is for black history month yet there's few information about black history in this project mm. so are you just putting out something as a performance or do you want right. us to actually be involved in this because if, right. if you're just putting something up for a performance i'm not involved i'm not doing it. you right. know and i think i think there's just a lot of you know uh just checking that's needed in in these environments where it's it's it can be very performative you know right. and i think i think it really comes down to your values as as a creator as a, as a as a business person um where you'll sway you know like some people just mm-hmm. take jobs for the money and that's you go for it. i i'm not like that you know um so i don't really have a lot of difficult situations so i, I think it's just more of me having that conversation back and forth with someone's like oh i think you should do this it's like i think we should do this that's why i'm here <laughs> you right. know right. um but also having that balance of letting someone have their input but not overstep you know so that's i can truly say my career as a whole has been pretty smooth because i and i and I'll, i will also preface having my bachelor business degree mm-hmm. before becoming creative has helped me phenomenally i can see that phenomenally I think there's so many most creators are I would say at least from what I see vantage point are not that great are not business people 100 percent 100 percent and I think that's that's definitely 100 percent helped me propel my career and my business Mm -hmm. because I have the business core and foundation of how to run a business how to actually talk to people how to create a draft to email a quote send you know certain um information and breakdowns and like do my own accounting like there's right. very few people you can't really say much to outsmart me. I, I'm creative, but I know how to run the business. You're not going to use me because I'm creative, which a lot of people do use creatives for because they, a lot of creatives don't understand the business. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'll get a lot of things out of creatives, either underpay them or use them for different things that they just don't know the, the difference or information um, and get away with a lot of things. So when they do get to me, a lot of things change. So I, a lot of people mm-hmm. 
have done certain things a certain way with other creatives and then work with me and then they're like, oh, oh, it doesn't work with you. No. And either have to go with someone else or they adjust. And that's right. just the boundary I've created, you right. know, so. And so one thing I picked up from that is, you know, you're very, um, you're very clear about setting your boundaries, whether that's a client looking to overstep in terms of how things should be done when you're the expert. And then in the corporate setting, when they're trying to bring something to life that doesn't seem authentic, you know, you're not afraid to speak up and you're also not afraid, most importantly, and probably the most important thing, at least for me, is it sounds like you're not afraid to walk away from that check if it's not aligned with your your brand. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And that, I think that's powerful. I think, you know, it takes a certain individual, you know, um, who's growing a business, who's an entrepreneur to have the power to be like, you know what, you know, good luck on you, but this is not what I want to do. I'm, I'm going to walk away from this money here. So, man, props to you for for being in that position. Um. Going where you're celebrated. Now, I know we just we just share with everybody, you know, what it took to what it took for you to to be in LA full time. Um, so there's that saying that saying that says, "Go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated." Now, someone who has moved from Toronto to LA, do you believe Black creators from the Toronto area or wherever they are in the country, really? can have a fruitful career in Canada or is going to the States a must? It's a great question. And I, I think they can, I think you can have a fruitful and successful career anywhere in the world. It just depends on what your vision is for you. Mm. So I think I was doing very well in Toronto. I actually was. <laughs> and, but my vision was bigger for myself. You know what I mean? You. So I, I, at no point in Toronto, I feel like I'm not appreciated. I, no one's loving my, like, I was busy as hell, bro. Like, I, if, if you ask anyone in Toronto, like, who shot something, I probably shot it. So, like, I, I, I can definitely say Toronto gave me a lot of love, a lot of referrals. My whole career, honestly, even to this point, has been referrals. I don't really do marketing. I don't really do, like, hey, this is what I do as a friend. Like, people just see what I do. I know what this guy does. He's good at this. Book him. You know, I've just been fortunate and grateful that I've shot with someone, that person tells this person, oh, I heard you about you from here. Got your referral from this guy. Hey, saw this thing you did with Nike. Hey, saw this thing. Like, and it's just, it's been beautiful that people just love the experience with me and it kind of grows from there. So in Toronto, it's such a small place. I'm from there. So when I started growing there, everyone already knew who I was. And they're like, oh, now he does this? Oh, I'm working with him. So that spread really quickly in the city. And I can't say, you know, I wasn't doing well there. I, I was. I just okay. think the vision for myself was larger than Toronto. And I realized mm -hmm. that after a few years, I was like, oh, like, this isn't my peak, you know? Mm -hmm. I think everyone there was like, oh, this, guy, this guy's amazing and blah, 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 which is great. But I'm like, this isn't my peak, you know? Gotcha. And I think I think my peak peaked there for me. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that always happens for everybody. I think you could stay in Toronto and, and do well and, and work wherever you want to work and keep the clients and keep your, your tribe and and make a living doing what you're doing if that's if that's where you want to be you right. know but i've already saw myself further than that after a couple of years doing what i was doing and even seeing you know as i accelerated faster than people who were shooting before me long before me i passed a lot of them 
very quickly. And that created the dynamic where some people kind of got jealous and so I'd hear, I'd hear things with like, oh, I've been doing this for seven years. This guy's just stuck for two years and he's working with this person. Like, not everyone likes that stuff. And that's, I get that. So you're but, saying you're like the, the, the Cardi B of, 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 of visual hey, content? Bro, <laughs> listen, that, that's a, that's a funny example, but cause I could truthfully say this wasn't, this was not something I, I've drunk to do, you know? And I, I, yeah. I'm aware that there are people who want to be photographers, want to shoot with celebrities, that's what they, that is their goal, you know? Mm. And I do that stuff like, yeah, I just did that, you know? And not, not in an asshole way to me, I'm like, that's not my peak. So to me, I'm like, yeah, I work with these guys, but <laughs> this is, that's not my peak. It might be yours, right. you know? Right. And I think that dynamic is kind of difficult. And I don't really say that stuff out loud. Cause I, I can see how it comes off, but to me, like, yeah, I've worked with some of the biggest companies and brands. And I think that's some other people's, lifelong dream some photographers you know mm -hmm. to me i'm like that's that's just work <laughs> to me you know because so i'm like i knew i'm like you're not i'm not excited by those things the big the biggest thing for me was shooting the championship for the raptors because yeah. we've never done it i have that captured forever you know something we'll probably never do again for a long time mm -hmm. that moment was my biggest moment that i've shot in toronto bigger than all the celebrities I've ever done bigger like because that was a moment that meant something to me you know right but I'm after sure. that i'm like there's nothing bigger for, there's nothing bigger than that for me in toronto i right. and I, I it hit me i'm like after the championship there's nothing else that's really gonna bring me excitement bigger than that right. you know in this city specifically so that's when i knew I, I had to leave when i was like i feel like you you feel like you've done things you want to do here you know right and i just had a thought i thought how serendipitous it was that you get caught from your university squad, you know, playing basketball. Then years later, you end up filming the championship, the first championship of the first Canadian basketball team. That's crazy. That's like a full circle moment right there. That was like a like a setup, man. Like that's crazy. Crazy, crazy. yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. So you talk about you know you reached your peak in Toronto. Hence, what pushed you to go to LA, which is a city that many people would go to do what you're doing. So, my question to you is: What is your peak? What is that vision uh, that you have for yourself right now? Um, funny enough, I don't really know if I have a peak, but mm -hmm. like, I think I knew I peaked in Toronto because I felt the peak. Mm -hmm. But I, I think now that I'm out of it and I've, I've seen so much more. And every time I create the goal, I, I hit it. I'm like, oh, I can go higher. I don't know if I, I don't know if I have my peak or I don't know if I've seen it yet. I know there's things I want to get to that I haven't reached. You know, I, I would love to shoot a movie. I would love to create, you know, documentaries. Um, I would love to, to travel um, around the world. Um, um, talking about my game and creating, you know, couples and, 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 seeing you know lives grow from something i built people get married from a game i made like that's that's a beautiful and i'll never stop people continually date forever so i would just love to keep spreading the game and like being part of people's lives because i created an intentional tool for them to get to know somebody like that's right. a, even that is such an amazing new chapter for me now i built that since i've been here that's something i created moving here because my mind was open to something bigger mm -hmm. i didn't think of creating a game as in toronto i didn't have the capacity or the mindset to even think I can make a game. I think once I got here, I'm like, you can make something here. And I did it and now it's growing. And 
I'm like, okay, I did that. What else can I do? I'm like, okay, I, I, I want to speak at schools. I want to go to UCLA at some point and speak to the first years and then travel universities and speak about and help all the first year kids like with their dating experiences going to university. Because I know when I was going to school, like dating is super crazy. There's girls mm-hmm. everywhere, there's guys everywhere. Like, so helping, you know, that new generation of kids like and, and play, let them play the game. And like, I, I just see this so much so much potential with the right. game side and then from my creative career side like i would love to shoot a movie like watching air and seeing that and when i watched uh genius the documentary i'm like i could definitely shoot something like that like i'm seeing things i'm like i could do that i just need to get in these spaces you know i, I don't i've never seen something been like i can't do that i don't feel like i would belong like i just i just if you give me a meeting with a director that's making a movie he'll love me <laughs> you know it's just i gotta get to that stage so i really I don't see the peak. I just think it's just time. I think it's time and preparation for me. Right. right. And I expect that. And for me, like in, in my opinion, one of the biggest value of living in a place like LA is they say, you know, there's that saying that says that half the battle is just showing up. And I think because mm-hmm. you're in the city where that's known for like, you know, outside of New York is known for, you know, media and content and all of that. And being in that environment, is just so inspiring, right? You're 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 constantly around it, so your brain's always like firing and thinking of new, it's new so ideas, true. new things. So that's crazy, man. And, and I I definitely see the value in putting yourself in the position to be in a city like Los Angeles. Um, so I know there's a question that a lot of my my listeners would have, and a lot of people that want to aspire to your level. So my question for you here, Ryan, is. What does it take to get to your level specifically? You know, what steps did you take to, you know, upgrade your skill set and, and what was that process like? I think a lot of people want things that are bigger than their discipline. Ooh, said it again, please. <laughs> please. I think a lot of people want things that are bigger than their discipline. Mm. And what I mean by that is you want to get to these levels. You want to shoot this or be in a movie or act or whatever it is you want to do out there in this life. But you want it, but you don't have the discipline to get it. Mm. So it's it's not even necessarily about, you know, what steps did I take? What it's it's the discipline level you have to have. All the steps need to be taken. <laughs> there, there are no missteps. It's all the steps. You know, if you don't know something, you need to learn it. If you haven't worked on something, you need to work on it. If you haven't been somewhere, you need to go. Like, all the steps need to happen. You know, I don't think people have the discipline to get to the levels they want to get to because they just don't have the discipline. It's not that they don't know the steps. Everyone knows the steps to do anything. You, If you're not good at something, you get better. If you need to be somewhere, you go there. If you need to work on something, you work on it. If you need to get a new skill, you get a new skill. If you need equipment for something, you buy the equipment. Like, if you... (laughs) There's... I, there's no real special plan, if I'm being honest, that I did. I just was like, I'm not good at this. I need to get better. So I start reading. I start taking courses. I start teaching myself at night, mm-hmm. late at night, hours and hours and hours and hours. I'm like, the biggest people in LA right now, I've never been to LA at the time. When I first quit my job five years ago, NBA All-Star was in Los Angeles. I'm like, mm-hmm. All-Star Week in Los Angeles would probably be the biggest thing to be part of. If I'm going to go to LA anytime, I should probably go during All-Star Weekend. Right. Bought my ticket, right. 
went to LA for the first time, mingled at parties, met some people, got my first client, went to New York, shot some stuff in New York, ended up meeting Vinny from Jersey Shore in New York, started shooting with him. He became a client. My business grew from there, from one decision of going to LA. Wow. But you have to act on these moments. It's, it, there's, there's no... <laughs> it, it, it wasn't... That wasn't magic. <laughs> I was just like, I should probably be somewhere where everyone's going to be <laughs> in a field I want to be in. Go. Right. Makes sense. You know, so I, a lot of things I've done... It's just been me like, what do you need to do to get to the place? Who do you want to be? You want to shoot for this person? You want to do this? If you want to shoot for a particular client, no one's going to book you for something if you don't have proof of concept. So why don't you go shoot something in a way you like or you think they'd want it to look? So when you now you picture yourself this person, you'd be like, hey, this is what I've done in an attempt to look at what you guys kind of look for instead right. of just being like, I want to work with you. That's that's great. What have you done? Oh, I haven't done it yet, but I can no go do it so you don't come to a meeting empty-handed. It's just that's just simple stuff to me, you know. And I think I just continually just create the things I want for myself. I right. just create the things. You know, if I don't have someone to work with, I find a friend. If I don't have a friend, I shoot myself. <laughs> if I don't have right. myself, I go create a voiceover of me walking around the city shooting this, like. To me, it's just I just I never have excuses. I just find solutions. Right. And I, and one thing that I'm hearing consistently throughout your story that I'm appreciating very much is like, again, I'm hearing a bit of that, you know, listening to your gut, acting on instinct in this particular situation when you talk about flying to the all-star game in Los Angeles. Like, hey, obviously is a great idea. And I think a lot of people would have that same thought, but would they act on it? Mm -hmm. Right. They might be like, oh, the flight's this. Well, you know, I don't know anybody out there. Where am I going right. to stay? This and yeah. that. They start thinking about the list of yeah. all the things that could not happen or what have you. Yes. So it's it's crazy because another thing that I'm thinking of, Ryan, is I heard someone say, you know, you're one decision away from X. Yes. And you talked about going to L.A., All-Star Weekend, you know, uh, shooting some stuff. Then you meet. Uh, but do do from Jersey Shore, uh, yes. right? And had I met, you not, I, I actually met in LA. I met these this client who hosts celebrity All Star basketball games. Got you in New York. Talk to them. Talk to them. What do you do? Blah blah. blah. Oh, we had this event in New York a couple months. We want to come out. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Meet them. Go out to New York. Then meet Vinny at that event. Then start working with Vinny from working at that event. Like it. Right. But all every decision, like you're saying, it's one decision that trickles into other things. If you right. if you make it, <laughs> if you make the first right. decision, right. right? Right. And had you not gone to LA, that wouldn't have parlayed into all those other decisions. So it's like the butterfly effect, man. So it's just, so I think, you know, another thing that's coming to mind is how I think a lot of us at least, we know the answer, mm. but you know, we just we're not acting on the decision for whatever mm -hmm. reason, whether it's fair of whatever or, you know, um, whatever the situation is. But um, and I think a lot of us may overcomplicate what we need to do. Right. Because like yes. you say, like you just said, everyone knows the steps. But <laughs> does your discipline match your desire? Right. Yes. Um, and that was beautiful, man. I'm going to steal that. So if you see that on IG yeah. later on, it's <laughs> still, I got it from you. But, but as a follow up to that. 
you know, a lot of people are in the content creation game right now. It's like kind of like a buzzword. What are some common mistakes and misconceptions you see creative producers either make or have? And, mm-hmm. and you know, what are some quick hacks uh, that an up and coming uh, creative producer can, can kind of use to kind of level up as well? Um, I think the most common mistake is comparison. Mm, that's a good one. I think, especially if you're starting anything, it doesn't have to be creative. Anything you're starting, there's always going to be, you know, a big dog there, whatever it is. If it's a new product, a new brand, new career, whatever it is, there's always going to be the top, the top in that field. It's just, that's what it is. <laughs> They've been doing it for longer than you. You just started. That's right. going to exist. But I think if you focus on that, you can use that motivation, but if you focus on that, you're you're going to kill yourself before you start. You know, I think focusing on the small wins and the things you do well is how you actually grow your business or your career or your skill set. I think if you start focusing on the things you don't do well, then you overshadow the things you're actually already good at. You know, and people will already pay you or like you or book you for things you currently do well. (laughs) So I think you aren't aware that like, you don't have to be immediately at that level that you see out there. Like there's the level you're at right now is actually good enough for somebody, you know? So whether it's one client, you have one client for for a minute and you're like, I only have one client that likes my work, but you have one person that likes what you're doing right now, you know, Mm -hmm. feed into that person and grow the other side of the stuff that that you're not so good at. And you have three clients and four clients, but there's going to be people that want your product or your service or your skill at whatever level at your you're at right now. Someone will want that. Someone will, you know, and your goal is to market that level to the best you can while you're at it. You know, love it. Love it. That's love how it. you continue to to grow to now you're marketing. And then, oh, now I can do this, guys. I can offer this. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Now you have a new tier of people that like that stuff, too. And you still got the people that like the first stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and that's literally how i've grown because <laughs> i didn't i was not a photographer i'm literally telling you i didn't shoot shit <laughs> like <laughs> i played ball and that's what i did you know so when i first started shooting i saw, shot some stuff and people were like oh this is pretty cool can you shoot this cool as i had those little people i started doing video stuff oh you do video too yeah oh can you do this yeah oh cool and then just now i can do photo and videos so what do you want now I can do editing now. Oh, what else do you want? And I just kept adding and adding. And that's, I just never lost focus of, of who I had during the moments while I was in it. You right. know, I never went too far ahead of what I can't do yet. Cause I knew I could get there. I'm not there yet. And that's fine. But who I have right now is pretty dope. These people yeah. were, were, I've yeah. always been really cool with the tribe I have at these moments, mm-hmm. you know, and the same, the same thing I have with this card game. People saw me, typing this stuff up and like designing it. I was posting my story when I was just designing the stuff. Nothing was out yet. I was just kind of like, oh, what do you guys think? Like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is dope. It's going to be sick. And I'm like, oh, the game's, it's 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 almost done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, who wants to kind of donate to this process? I'm paying for all the shit myself. Like, who's down? Yo, fuck, I'll throw some money. I made like $1,200 from donations on people. Mm. People just tossed me money to kind of believe in what I was doing, you know? And right. I launched the game. Games launch. Yo, go try it out. Here's a free demo. Sick. $4,000 done. Wow. Like, and games out now. I'm buying it. But like, I wasn't worried about like, I'm not the biggest game out yet. I don't care about that. I will be. 
Mm-hmm. But at that moment, people like what I'm doing right now, so that's what I'm focused on. Right. I love I'm just, that. I never lose track of of what I'm working on at that moment or who's around me at these moments because the rest stuff will come as you grow, you know? Right. And I, I love the fact that you focus kind of on, on two things. You talk about the comparison. You know, there's a saying that, there's a saying that says the comparison. Comparison is the killer of joy. Right, right. There you yeah. go. And I especially think with, you know, social media, it's even like even hyper comparison, right? Yeah. Everything is in your face. And then you 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 talk about you know focusing. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, focusing on what you're good at. And I think sometimes you know it's good to kind of lean into your weaknesses because obviously you want to be as well rounded as possible. But like yo, to your point, if you're like just good at photography and there's few people that like you for that, market the hell out of that and then grow from there. And I think that's kind of like that's kind of like a we we again intuitively we know that. But I think you just saying it the way that you said it, it's like, yeah, why don't I just do that? Like, you know what I mean? Like we overcomplicate it and you just like, oh, just, yeah, this is your lane, maximize it. And then you can expand from there. So I love that, man. Um, So my last question for you, Ryan, throughout your amazing career, what do you believe has been the best lesson you've learned from either failing or pushing through adversity thus far the best lesson i've learned um i learned a lot of lessons out to pick the best one <laughs> um i would say that hmm Tough question because I'm literally going through a bunch of lessons I've learned in the last. So pick, pick, let's let's pick one that's most maybe the most recent, if not the best. Something recent that you learned that's valuable to you, that's useful. Okay, I think I think you should. I think it's very important to trust your ability to. Prove the things you've already proven to yourself. I love that. I think, like a recent example, um, I'm having a baby. So, oh, wow, congratulations! Thank you. Um, and my my girl actually was the one who reminded me of this situation. I'm having a baby soon. Babies due in September, and you know, it's a lot of emotions, lots going on. Excited, obviously, worried, preparing, all you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And um, I said to her, when, was, when we first kind of figured it out, I said to her, I'm like, because um, our, our relationship's also new as well. So I've been spending a lot of time with her. So mm-hmm. now we're having babies. So it's like even more, you know, now I got to work more or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, I said to her, I was like, you know, now that the baby's coming, uh, I got to go out and, and kind of market myself some more. Cause I don't, I didn't, before the baby, I was kind of just, we're good. I was chilling. Yeah. I was working my work with, and I was like, this is cool for me and our relationship. I'm like, right. now that baby's coming, I'm like, I gotta go out like physically. Mm-hmm. She's like, why? I'm like, there's something about me being in places that brings me work. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it to you. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it to you. I just know if I'm in the place, it brings me work. Right. If I'm at home with I that, if I'm, if I'm home with you. 
I'm not giving work. That's just not that I'm not getting work, but it's it's much more difficult to just stay online. Like if I'm if I'm in a room, I get work. It's hard to explain to you, but that's just mm-hmm. I'm done as my whole career. <laughs> I just I know me, you know. Yeah. And she's like, okay, like I'm like, just leave me on this. She's like, all right, cool. I go out to this event. Um, I meet this person, start working with this. Uh, I start talking to them. What would you do? Blah blah. Show them. Just have. I just I'm socialite. It's easy for me to just talk to a stranger, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, you do blah, blah, blah. Oh, cool, cool. He's also a photographer. Talk about, he's like, oh, actually, um, I have a I have a client that I work with that, you know, um, might actually need something that you do. I was like, oh, cool. Okay, yeah, let's let's stay connected, bro. Blah, blah, blah. I leave that event. Um, he hits me up. He's like, hey, um, are you available to shoot this project on Friday? It's for Lotto. Lotto's a, a rapper. Um, it's uh, with Patron. So Patron is one of the clients that mm-hmm. um, he works with. He's like, I can't make it, but I, I saw your work. Like, I, I trust it. Like, can you just, can you go cover this for me? I was like, yeah, that was a cool, cool work. Dope. I shoot this event for Patron, shoot Lotto, kill it, whatever. Um, and then meeting the people of Patron at the event, they're like, oh, I love your work. Like, let's get your number, blah, blah, blah. Boom. Then, um, I end up realizing that another project I'm working with, um, this DJ, I'm doing like all his branding and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the creative organizers that work with Patron is also his creative organizer. Oh, wow. So I'm at the meeting with him and I remember the name. They said the person's name. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, wait, I just heard that name when I was working with Patron a few days ago. Mm-hmm. It's the same girl. They're like, oh, she's like, oh, that was you that shot Patron stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, I love those people. Like, oh, yeah, well, I guess we'll be working together on this project, too, with this mm-hmm. DJ. And I'm like, what? Is, what? Like, what? <laughs> like, so then, fast forward, yeah. three weeks ago, I'm in Mexico shooting for Patron at the Mexico uh, Patron head office mansion for four days. Wow. How? <laughs> what a life. <laughs> <laughs> but, do you know, like do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. how and now I'm working with other stuff and more stuff now from from that moment though. Mm-hmm. I literally said to her, I'm like, I need to go out. I just need to go. And she's right. like, okay, babe, I trust you go. Yeah. And then she reminded me of a conversation. She's like, I remember when you said, like, you just have to go. And then like boom, 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 this happened. She's like, So I I trust you. <laughs> like that was her moment, be like. I trust him. Like he's doing, he does everything he says he's gonna do. He does it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's what I, that's honestly what I would give to somebody. Like <clears throat> trust in the things you've already proven to yourself. Don't be like, oh, it only worked that time. Note that it the fact it worked a time was you. It, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't just oh, like it just happened. It's you that's making these things happen. So don't thing because it only work like it will work again it may not work every time but it's it's you you are the source of these situations and the dynamic and the opportunities you know and i think once i really honed into that like i genuinely believe if you put me anywhere i will i will get it mm-hmm. i genuinely believe that there's nothing you can tell me that will convince me otherwise there's literally I love, nothing i love that man those are wise words and i hope everybody who's listening received that well so ryan real quick i'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions or three quick questions here for you since you're a basketball head 
Mm. Greatest of all time. Who's the GOAT? Michael Jordan. Say that again? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Okay. I won't argue with that. Can't argue with the GOAT. Um, who are your favorite type of clients to work with? Um, like personality type, or we ask, or however I interpret this question. <laughs> it's a great question. Um, let's say industry. So, music artists, athletes, corporate mm. entrepreneurs. I would say top would be sports, specifically basketball stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything NBA, anything personal, professional athlete. Um. Second, I would say music, but I have to like the music. Right. So I, I only work with specific artists that I actually like the music. For example, um, I'll probably work with Omari on this year, which is actually really dope. Nice. I grew up listening to his music, so I actually yeah. like his music. So that'll be actually a good project for me to enjoy doing. Super dope. Um, and then third, I would say small businesses. Okay. Love um, I love giving back to small businesses because I am still a small business myself. Right. Bigger things, but I'm still a small business. Right. Um, and a lot of them ask these questions. How did you get there? And how did you create that gap? And you know, it's it's I love being able to put those little small questions, um, answer those small questions they have very easily for them. Just things that they may not know, just if they were talking to someone that's done it. I love being able to be like, all you gotta do is this, cool put these pieces together and kind of guide them. Like I, I, I love, I generally get a joy out doing that. Helping. Love that. love that. Um, the other one I'll ask you here is referring to your card game. What's the most difficult question in your card game? What do you think? <laughs> most difficult question in the card game. Um, hmm. That's, that depends on who's you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> it really, um, give me, give yeah, me one of them. Give me one of them. It really depends on who you're asking. I'll, like, let me just actually go. Right here. Uh, see. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a good, here's a good one. Do you have any traumas? You are willing to share that have affected your ability to date successfully. Woo. Okay. I like that. I might, I might have to purchase that. That's, a, <laughs> that's a, those are some really good questions. That question will mess some people up, but it will also open a very honest dialogue because that's important to know. If I'm dating you and you're like, I'm insecure with trust, or I think everyone's cheating on me, or mm-hmm. you're not going to stop being that. Right. Not with me. I'm not, I'm not going to be the savior. You know, I think that's something someone has to acknowledge that right. they have and are currently actively doing the work on. Right. No, I think a lot of those things will come out to your relationship with them. And now they're like, why am I always going to reassure you every day? Like you didn't know it's it's not you, it's them, but you don't know that you're in it. So I think when questions like that come up early and someone's like, oh yeah, I have a trust issues really bad. You now have the opportunity to be like, I'm not doing this. And that's, <laughs> and that's not disrespectful. That's, right, right. That's fair. I'll tell you right now, I would I would not I would not pursue an issue with someone that trust issues. I'm not I wouldn't do it. Right. No matter that's how fair. beautiful great. If she's like, yeah, I have a tough time trusting people because my ex and blah blah blah. Yeah. I'd be like, that's cool. 
probably not something I want to enter because I'm in a career that's very fast and around a lot of women. Yeah. This is not, this will even be good for you <laughs> if I'm being yeah. honest. You know, no, that so makes sense. That, that allows me to make a decision for myself. You know, so um yeah, I, I made these questions very intentional. Not not all of them are, are breezy. Some are okay, but yeah. some of them really, really dig, you know. So yeah. um I'm glad to see what it's been doing so far and for people. No, and as a side note, I think irrespective of of couples or dating, I was just thinking those are just good questions to ask for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Like it's yes. it's self-therapy, right? At least yeah. to get you on that that journey, right? Yeah. Um, but no, that's great, man. I love that. And and the last one I'll ask you here is what's a favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Favorite quote or mantra. Um there are no mistakes, only lessons. Mm, I love that. And we'll end on that note, man. Ryan, bro, I appreciate for your appreciate you for your time and your energy and your yeah, man, wise words and for being vulnerable here on this platform. Uh, for all my listeners, for my audience um, that would like to either hire you, connect with you, collab with you, how can mm. they find you, brother? Uh, the easiest way is either my website, which is three or sorry, five letters, MR. KOA.com, Mr. KOA.com. Um, that'll literally bring you to every tier of everything I do. <laughs> I kind of built it that way. You can kind of go through my work, my portfolio, contact me, see the stuff about the game, see my client list. Everything's Mr. KOA.com. I actually wanted to update it, but it's still it's still pretty good. So I think your website is amazing. It made me have some feelings about mine. But hey, you said no comparison, no comparison. <laughs> But anyways, um, uh, to my listeners, as you guys know, I like to end each episode by saying this. If you just want to impress people and just talk about your wins, your accolades, you know, the shiny objects that you have in your household, yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to have an impact on someone else's life, talk about your failures, more specifically, the lessons that you learn from those experiences. That's how you help to really move the needle in someone else's life. So with that being said, Ryan and myself are out. Mm -hmm. Peace and love. Till the next time. Mm -hmm.